0: Professor Luis Eslava is a research professor of international law at Latrobe University. He is one of Trobe University's experts who have been observing the road to Indigenous Voice to Parliament and exploring what happens next. The result has been declared and it is a resounding no. Professor Eslada, first, thanks for joining us and uh, can you share with us your observation on uh, the result, a resounding no, and what's your reflection on this uh, result?
1: So the first thing then must be said about the result is that there is a clear no from the part of the public towards a very simple request made by First Nations peoples to the Australian population. That resounding no uh, therefore needs to be read in the context of uh, First Nations peoples' long-standing battle for the recognitions over the place within the history of the nation and the daily management of uh, the Australian government and affairs. Um, two things come out of that initial point. One, that uh, the conversation must continue. Uh, the request was a simple request uh, to recognize the, a historical existence and the ongoing sovereignty of First Nations peoples over this land. Um, and secondly, that even though uh, there was a resounding no, that no was in relation to that request. There are other issues on the uh, table of conversation that came out of the Uru statement from the heart uh, requesting as well as voice Treaty and truth and those two things uh, I suppose are going to be the two main points of conversation in the months coming.
0: One thing I didn't mention in the introduction is that uh, you're also an expert in international law, development and uh, global governance. Now uh, looking at this result, what in your view is the significance of this uh, resounding no for Australia on an international level?
1: So, the international perspective is here very important because Australia already has obligations at the international level to recognize the existence of First Nations peoples as well as uh, a recognition of their voice or their representation in the daily affairs of government. At the international level, that is known as uh, inter- Indigenous International Law. International law of indigenous peoples. And that body of law is incredibly important for Australia, but for all of those nations that is still have within the territories First Nations peoples. What happened uh, over the weekend here in Australia, uh, in this context, sends a very strong signal about the still struggle domestically here in Australia to uh, respect to endorse those international
0: obligations. Leading up to this uh, referendum, uh, in one of your, your statements, or with uh, your panel of experts, you said that most of all, a defeat in the referendum should not be used as an opportunity to undermine the legitimate claims made by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples for direct representation. Can you elaborate a little bit on that for us?
1: So one of the sad developments over the recent decade. Um, across the world in relation to referendums and constitutional reforms, is that uh, progressive agendas have been uh, facing a backlash uh, at the moment of voting. In my own experience, I have seen, for example, how the uh, Colombian peace referendum in 2016, the Brexit referendum in 2016 as well, and and last year the uh, referendum in Chile than aim to change the 1980 Pinochet Constitution was defeated or received and no for the change of a new constitution. Um, and in all of those in- instances, uh, progressive agendas um, or regressive agendas have been undermined or, or propelled. And importantly, uh, what it has come out of those um, electoral processes is, uh, is uh, a numerical reality that has been sadly uh, further mobilised to undermine often minority rights. So, in the context of Australia, what happened over the weekend? We have a, a resounding 60.6 uh, percent of the population saying no, versus uh, 39.4 population saying of the population saying yes. Um, so, what we need to remain aware is that these numerical representations of electoral an electoral battle mobilised to undermine the rights of First Nations peoples and the very legitimate claims over this
0: land. From the onset it looked like an uphill battle, a really tough challenge uh, while having to convince 97% of the population to decide on an issue of uh, utmost importance for just uh, 3% of the population. That's uh, a steep mountain to climb are there any examples internationally of uh, such a numerical imbalance uh, countries uh, where this happened and uh, on which you can draw uh, some lessons from
1: Uh, there is a a very strong body of comparative examples that uh, indigenous people constantly tap onto in the context of latin america for example there is a, a a whole constitutional law tradition endorsing First Nations people and uh, recognising the direct representation uh, at the level of the legislative, in the context of Australia the parliament. So there are reserved seats for Indigenous peoples uh, to be kind of direct, uh, have direct presence in, in the affairs of government. Similarly, over the recent years, Indigenous, not only just Indigenous peoples as individuals or communities, uh, have become the right part of government, but also the cosmologies and the way they understand the relationship uh, to the land, to earth, has been elevated to uh, a constitutional level. So uh, in Ecuador, uh, in Bolivia, and um, for example, they have that, that indigenous uh, views of the planet, humans uh, and not humans, have taken the form of uh, a commission of the rights of the Pachamama, or the principle of when we really could living um they are coming directly from the the cosmologies. Uh, now, it, it, Ecuador and Peru are interesting. Uh, sorry, but Ecuador and Bolivia are interesting examples because they also talk about uh, demographics. So, in Bolivia, indigenous population are significantly represented in, in the global, in the, in the domestic population, but that's not necessarily in the case of Ecuador. And there are also many cases where, for example, in the case of Colombia, where indigenous peoples have quite strong rights, indigenous peoples are not a kind of, uh, demographically speaking, a large uh, group. However, the rights are still uh, endorsed and recognized. The reason for that is because First Nations peoples' rights are are, are special rights that are not necessarily the outcome of uh, the weight on national demographic statistics. They are coming out of the historical claim over the lands in which they continue to inhabit.
0: Professor Islada, before I let you go, any closing thoughts on uh, the outcome of this referendum?
1: Aboriginal people endorsing the voice and that fought for the voice to be passed have asked uh, immediately after the results of the referendum were released uh, for a week of silence and mourning, uh, a week of reflection. I think we all need to be attentive to that cold and also wait attentively to what uh, First Nations people will uh, like to do, how they would like to proceed in the coming weeks. Uh, this attention is a form of respect uh, to them, uh, but also it is the best way for us to, as a nation to give ourselves a space uh, for what is coming to happen in a most mature and democratic way possible.